Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to our 2023 Interfaith Connection podcast. This is a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Rev. Dave Lyman is my partner in marriage and also my senior minister partner for our Interfaith Explorers organization. We're both so excited to be starting our third year of podcasts on this grand adventure. Our goal this year is to explore and make new friends at faith communities in the greater Sacramento region where interfaith continues to grow. We also want to encourage your feedback as you participate in interfaith events and field trips, read our newsletter and listen to our monthly podcasts. So as we say each year, buckle up and get ready for the exciting year ahead. We're going to explore the Ramadan challenge, which uh, fasting is the third pillar of the Islam tenets. And we're really blessed tonight to have a dear, dear friend. And before I introduce him, we're going to open with prayer and so Dr. Irfan Hawk will open us with prayer today. Okay. <clears throat> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. My greetings to you, peace be upon you, and the mercy and blessings of God. I wish you health, wealth, and all good things in life. I will start from the opening chapter of the Quran. The Quran, as you know, is the holy book of the Muslims. And as we believe, it is the last testament that God sent down for humanity 1,444 years ago. So 14 centuries ago. And this is called the opening or Al-Fatiha. And it is the prayer uh, that we recite with, in, all our, in all our worship. Our worship is not complete without, without this particular prayer that I'm going to uh, recite. And I'm going to give you the translation. In the name of God, the Lord of mercy, the giver of mercy. Praise belongs to God, Lord of all worlds. The Lord of mercy, the giver of mercy. Master of the day of judgment. It is you we worship. It is you we ask for help. Guide us to the straight path. The path of those whom you have blessed. Those who incur no anger and who have not gone astray. Amen. Thank you so much. So let me give you a little background. Rachel and I um, were talking about the different things we do with interfaith, and we realized part of the mission statement for our organization is to build bridges by visiting other faith traditions and by educating ourselves. And I have loved the tradition of Ramadan. One of my favorite things each year is to go to the community interfaith iftar at Salam, which is the meal that breaks fast at the end of the day. And so I've always wanted to go, how, how much could I participate in that? Because it is a month of, of expressing yourself through fasting, a spirit and God. And so we decided to do a challenge. And we thought we'd bring in 
uh, a dear friend of mine that I've known way too many years, as we discussed earlier. Um, his background is he came to Sacramento in 1981 when there was one mosque in town, downtown. And uh, there were maybe seven or eight people that would meet frequently. And out of that grew Salam and so many different things. He has been the president of Salam. He has been the chairperson of the Board of Trustees. In 2013, he was recognized uh, by the Interfaith Council uh, for his work in Interfaith. He's also been the president of the Council of Sacramento Valley Islamic Organizations, which is an umbrella group of all the mosques. And he's been about as active as he could be in everything. Um, I can't count on my hands how many times we have taken groups over to Islam to have a, a, a teaching moment with Dr. Hawk. And it's always been really, really good. He's, he's just the best, and we love, we love him. So, of course, he's going eight ways at once, and still he said, well, I'll come, I'll come and spend some time with you and Rachel. Uh, so we wanted to take the process to a deeper level. We wanted to participate in the fast. Um, and prior to that, we're going to take just a moment to do a few, a few announcements. First of all, because this is a church, and as always, churches work with the tithing, talent, treasures that you bring, we're going to take a moment to do an offering. And ranging from you going ahead and, and um, participating in the offering or holding your hands and talking about the treasure within you that you bring. We want to just have you participate in this offering of the fact of what you bring to the world. Maybe it's not to this church. Maybe it's to your, your vision of spirit and the way you work. But we all bring it. We all express the divine. And in that, we ask that you participate. Now, of course... Because it's been so long since I've been up here, I have no idea in my head what the words are that we use. So, Deborah, could you come up and do the words, or would you do the words from back there? <laughs> oh, there it is. Let us say our offering blessing together. Divine love, as me, blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, and all that I circulate. Thank you, God. And so we'll have someone coming around, I believe. And while they do, let me do a few announcements because we're going to do this a little different. Interfaith Connection is doing a set of podcasts every month, if you're interested. We're on the website, and we do some really interesting podcasts. We just did one with the UC Davis people. Um, who run a very active interfaith program. And the month before, there's a new executive director at Salam, And we interviewed him. What a dynamic young man he is. Um, and there's, so there's lots going on. And we're likely to do just about anything, though sometimes I have to confess, my favorite part is having a 45-minute conversation with my wife. And so sometimes that's just the fun part. Um, remember to check the SLC webpage for the activities and many activities that are going on. 
Also, get on the Salam webpage because um, Salam is one of the most progressive mosques in the United States as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And they are always running classes in terms of educating people about the Islam religion and what it's like to be a Muslim. And so, because he has been such a leader in the industry, we wanted to talk to him about Ramadan. And what we have is a very basic outline, and he's going to take care of all the work. All I'm going to do is ask a question now and then. So what is Ramadan, Dr. Hawk? Well, Islam as a faith is supposed to have five pillars. The first, of course, is the testimony of faith, that you believe in one God. And then you have prayers or worship. Then you have Ramadan. Then you have zakat or charity or tithe. And finally, the pilgrimage, the hajj. So those are the five pillars. So Ramadan is really uh, a pillar of faith, uh, an obligation on all adult Muslims. It comes as the ninth month in the Islamic lunar calendar. This is the eighth month. And the ninth one will become will begin in, uh, in a couple of weeks. In fact, the first night of Ramadan is the 22nd. And the first full day of Ramadan will be March 23rd when Muslims around the globe will be fasting. So Ramadan is a month of fasting which was enjoined on Muslims, believers, uh, 1,400 plus years ago. But it was not a new thing. It was something that had already been given to earlier prophets. And uh, uh, we know Jesus used to fast. We know Abraham used to fast. We know Moses used to fast, peace be upon all of those prophets. And this was instituted uh, after Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, moved from Mecca to Medina. The Muslims, early Muslims got persecuted in Mecca, so they came to Medina. And it was in the second year uh, in the life uh, of the Muslim community in Medina that God enjoined that you should fast. And I will just read for you the actual verses of the scripture, of the Quran where God says very clearly what he says. This is chapter 2, and the verse is is 183. You who believe, fasting is prescribed for you as it was prescribed for those before you, so that you may be mindful of God. Fast for a specific number of days. But if one of you is ill or on a journey, then on other days later. And then it goes on to say, it was in the Ramadan that the Quran was revealed as a guidance for mankind, clear messages, giving guidance, and distinguishing between right and wrong. So these are the verses about Ramadan that were revealed, following which Muslims started to practice fasting. And then uh, basically fasting starts Uh, from dawn, which is about an hour and a half before sunrise, and goes up to dusk. So um, on the 23rd of March, we will stop, we will get up early in the morning and have a little meal, about 5 o'clock, and we stop by 5.52, and then we will not eat or drink or indulge in intimacy or chew gum or smoke tobacco or anything else. All of those things are a no-no 
for the time that you're fasting, and the fasting goes to seven o'clock when the sun sets, and then you break your fast. And this goes on for the whole lunar month, which could be 29 or 30 days. And so this is the ninth month. Uh, because it's lunar calendar, it keeps on moving 10 days ahead each year. In my own life, I've experienced Ramadan in summer, in winter, in fall, and spring. So in 40 years, you will experience Ramadan in all those seasons. But this is also a month which is celebrated. It's a month of great happiness. Uh, it's a month of joy. It's a month of family. Uh, the whole family gets up in the morning and, and grabs something to eat, and they spend time together, then they pray. And then you go about your business, you go to work, whatever you need to do. And then you come back home in the evening, the family gets together again, and then they break the fast, as you saw in the video. Uh, and typically the fast is broken with a few dates and water or milk. And then uh, we will go and pray our evening prayers, our sunset prayers, and then come back and sit down and have a whole meal. Uh, it is very common for people to send uh, you know, dishes to your neighbors, and they will send dishes to you during the month of Ramadan. A lot of special foods are prepared. I remember growing up, my mom used to make very special meals, which were not usually made in other times of the year. Just lots of yummy dishes. So what uh, was your favorite? You know, among, you know, uh, some of the deep fried stuff. <laughs> 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 and we would also have, always have a yummy fruit salad. Uh, but it was a month that we really celebrated and enjoyed because we knew we would be getting to taste uh, and enjoy dishes that we normally uh, which were not normally made in the other parts of the year. So it was really a special month. And then in many places, especially in the United States and across Middle East and Europe and so on, uh, families go to the mosque at night and will, they will do extra worship. And it'll start about nine o'clock. So nine to about 11 o'clock, there'll be extra worship all 30 days. And you, they, you see the whole community coming to the mosque. Uh, they're well fed, of course, they're happy. And the children come, and the teenagers come, and the adults are there, and uh, the whole community shows up. And we do some extra worship, extra prayer. Why? Because Ramadan is also the month, as I read from the Quran, it was also the month when the revelation of the Quran began. And it took 23 years of revelation to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that um, the Quran was completed. Uh, it has over 6,000 verses. And as I said, it is the last manual of humanity uh, coming from God. And, and after that, that, God said, that's it. No more prophets, no more books, I'm done. And, and we know, you know, before he had given uh, you know, Psalms to David, Prophet David, and, and, and the Torah to Prophet Moses, and the Gospels to Prophet Jesus. So he had given earlier prophets scriptures, and this time he gave them to Muhammad. He said, that's it. I'm cutting myself off from you guys. You're on your own. <laughs> So that's the story, really. And Ramadan is a month which has been celebrated. And, you know, people will put lights on their houses, just like we put Christmas lights. And then um, they celebrate the whole month, even though it may appear to be tough, it's really not difficult. It's mind over matter. And abstaining from food and drink, no problem. I remember as kids, we used to go out and, you know, when it was 115 degrees outside, we'd go out and play in the sun. And when we got tired and thirsty, we just came inside and took a short nap, but uh, it's a very special month, and we enjoy it, and I look forward to it, because you get to see the whole broad section of the community, a broad cross-section of the community at the mosque, and you meet them, and you get to see them, and you pray together. 
It's full of joy. There's a uh, statement <clears throat> in, in one of the things I read that said, um, the spiritual aspect of the fast is also about refraining from gossip and lies, obscenity, any sinful act, and also that it's a, a way of expressing God, expressing Allah through you. Yes, it has many dimensions. I just spoke about the, the uh, outward dimensions. The, uh, but it is really a month that is meant to help you develop self-restraint, develop self-control, self-discipline. Nobody's watching you. You can go and eat. You can drink, right? Nobody's watching you. But this is your deal with God, that I'm doing this for you because I love you and I, and I take you as my creator and I want to honor you. And this is one way of honoring him, just like we honor God through our worship and through our prayers. And so it is a special month that we uh, develop a higher level of God consciousness. You start looking inward, especially because when you're fasting, you're not involved in material things. And you become more understanding and more empathetic as a human being. And you understand the needs of those who don't have food and the poor people and the needy people in the world. So you become soft in your heart. And it is very interesting that a lot of the fundraising is done in the month of Ramadan. Oh, that is interesting. Because the hearts has already softened. <laughs> and it's easier for people to pull out the checkbook and write checks. But it's, it's really a month to sort of practice self-control, self-discipline. You know, as human beings, we get into bad habits, smoking and this and that. And you can learn to give it up via the practice of Ramadan. If you can do it for 30 days, you can do it for the next 11 months. And God's point really is that you, in one month, you abstain yourself from things that are normal and direct your energy towards me and focus on me and develop yourself internally and become a better human being and give up bad habits. And if you can do that for so many days, then that'll help you lead the next 11 months in a better way. You will become a better human being. In the end, it's about finding peace, connection with the Almighty, love for His creation, sympathy for His creation, being more charitable, being more kind, being more generous, uh, you know, these are all the teachings that Jesus taught us and Moses and all the prophets taught us. Uh, these are the common things among the Abrahamic faiths. And so in the end, as God says in the Quran, I have enjoined fasting of you so that you may become more God conscious, a better human being. Because his intent for us through all of his scriptures, through all of his revelation has been the same. You know, worship me as a creator and become a better human being. And that way, try to build a better world. Because if we as individuals can abstain from bad things, and if we can enjoy good things and engage in good relationships and, and good things, then we are creating a better world. And we, we become more disciplined, and we learn self-control. Once that happens, uh, we are slowly creating circles of better groups of human beings. And that's really his intent, that he wants us in the end, if you were to ask me, what is God's purpose for us? He wants us to build a better world than what we found where we were born, right? We don't determine where we will be born. We do not determine you know, who our parents were, where, what kind of household we had, how rich they were, who were the siblings, what ethnicity race they came from. Nothing is, is known. It's all given to you. It's predetermined. And wherever you go, grow up, you, you need to find God in your life. And once you found him, 
you need to stay connected with him, which is why we are asked to pray five times a day, uh, to you know, take out five minutes and ten minutes of our uh, life each day to devote to him, to prayer, to worship him. And then, of course, uh, in the month of Ramadan, to connect with him through fasting. And uh, we, when we break our fast, we say a prayer, which is that, Oh, my Lord, I'm opening my fast uh, because I have fasted for you. I'm opening it with the, with the sustenance, with the food that you provided. I am breaking this fast with contentment with you. I'm happy with you. And, and keep guiding me and forgiving me. So it's really a month of God's mercy. And he forgives sins and he helps us uh, in many different ways. And... For Muslims, it's important because it is a special month. There is no other month in the lunar calendar, the 12 months, like Ramadan. And that's why it's celebrated with joy uh, and festivities. And of course, once the month ends, then you have what is called the festival of Eid al-Fitr. Muslims have two festivals or celebrations. This is the first one. It comes at the end of the month of fasting. So then you feast. So you say, I've fasted for 30 days, now... Time for me to feast. In Muslim-majority countries, uh, there's three days holidays. Everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember as children, we used to get new clothes and new shoes and uh, new stuff. That was one time of the year we would get new stuff. And we, we would lay it out at night. In the morning, we would shower and dress up and then go with our parents to worship uh, in an open field. Typically, the, the Eid prayers are done in open spaces so that it can accommodate thousands of people. And you would wear new clothes, and then uh, you would have special meal in the morning, and then uh, your elders would give you some money as a gift. So it was a time when you would get new stuff, plus you would get money to go and buy ice cream and candy. So for what a chil- great time! Yeah, I mean, we, this, this was the time of the year we, you know, we looked forward to. And typically, people start fasting for, let's say, a child is six, seven years old. You, he, will, he or she will fast maybe four hours as for practice, and then uh, fast for a whole day, and then may- maybe a few days in the month. And once they become teenagers, they can fast. And when you break the fast at the end of the day, there's a specific way you do it. What kinds of foods? I mean, don't you start with dates? Right. As I, as I said earlier, yeah, typically fast can be broken with anything. You open the fast, but it is recommended because dates are very nutritious. They're high energy. And uh, they're really good food. And uh, it's, it's symbolic, you know. It's, it's, dates are common, commonly used at the time when you break your fast. And who doesn't fast during Ramadan? There are, there, uh, I had read that uh, pregnant women often or people who are very ill. Uh, and it was really interesting. It didn't say that they didn't fast. It said they postponed it. Right. Since fasting is an obligation... Every adult, uh, teenager and above is expected to fast. But there are situations like a mother nursing a baby, a person who's sick, somebody who may be traveling, or some exceptional situation. They can either postpone their fasting or they can, give, they can feed hungry people in lieu of the fasting, especially those who are very elderly or who may be sick, who may not be able to fast later on also. So they will typically give uh, monies in charity or they will feed needy people. And that's how you sort of compensate it. 
because God takes into account all kinds of people. And uh, if somebody cannot do it, he says, well, if you can afford to feed people, that is, that's good. So it, it, fasting becomes an obligation uh, from puberty onwards. That's when the obligation to pray also starts. And fasting is typically done from that time. And people go about, you know, the work doesn't stop. You go to your work, you do your sports. I recall basketball players, Hakeem Olajuwon, and so many other Muslim basketball players. They would fast, and then they would come and, you know, do uh, do their, you know, <coughs> the, take part in the games. Um, I know soccer players who are fasting, and then if it's time to break the fast, they will go out and drink a little bit of water, maybe have a date, and come back. It was interesting. I read, I read a thing, and I don't know if this is a truth, but they said one of the things is the moderation because it would be, it's easy once in a while to binge eat at the end of a fast, to, to maybe overeat a little bit at night. And so it's important to, to do moderation at night. Yes. I mean, even though you're feeling hungry um, when you're breaking your fast because you've been... I mean, in the winter months, right now it's going to be about 14 hours. I remember fasting for 18 hours, like from 4 in the morning, 4.30 till 8 o'clock at night. So uh, 14 hours, 16 hours. My sister lives in the UK. They fast for uh, 18 hours over there. So you are hungry uh, when it's time to break the fast. But the point is to not overindulge and, and practice uh, things in moderation. And then, um, you know, it's, uh, and then you can go to the mosque and join the community in extra worship, or you can spend time at home, and then you set your alarm for the morning, start over and again. start all over again. So it's, uh, it brings the whole family together. It's, it's, it's a very joyful month. It sounds like fun. So, we figure you probably have some questions. Uh, does anybody have a question? We'd ask you to raise your hand, and we have microphones coming up, so wait for your microphone. So one of the things, uh, hi, Dr. Hawk, it's good to see you. Um, one of the things I wondered, you mentioned Hajj, because you were talking about the five pillars. Huh? What happened to the pilgrimage during the pandemic? How did, oh, good how did, how did your faith leaders and um, how did your participants, what did, what did we do during that time? The Hajj was extremely limited. Yeah. They, they stopped a lot of people from coming in. And uh, they just cut down the numbers and anybody who came in had to have vaccinations and shots and masks and uh, distancing. In fact, I've been to Mecca many times and I prayed there. And um, so they had the special markers six feet apart. And they had very, typically on Hajj, you will, on a pilgrimage, you will have between two and three million people. When I was there, there were three and a half million people. And, um, but they allowed about 60,000. So they really cut down the numbers during COVID. And people had to social distances, they're required to wear masks, and that's how they continued the Hajj. It was not stopped. And throughout the pandemic time, they uh, had restrictions on numbers of people coming in. And at the same time, people had to be vaccinated and they had to mask up. Other questions? You, young lady. Uh, uh, if you went to Mecca uh, during uh, COVID, 
did you have to make a reservation? Even even if you go and you've been many times, mm-hmm. do you, do you make a reservation ahead of time so they know that you're expected, or or you just show up? During COVID, of course, it was required. You had to pre-register uh, whether you were going for the Hajj. Hajj is at a certain time of the year. For instance, it comes about two months after the uh, Eid al-Fitr. Eid al-Fitr is the celebration after Ramadan. It comes two months after that. So it's at that specific time that the Hajj takes place. But people are there all the time. I was in Mecca this morning. I was, you know, I have the internet, and I said Mecca live on YouTube, and I was in Mecca. And people are doing their, their smaller pilgrimage, which is called the Umrah, which is spelled U-M-R-A-H, Umrah which is going to Mecca and doing the same things that you do on Hajj, but not at the time of the Hajj. And so uh, people are doing Umrah uh, there all the time, and um, that's something that goes on 24-7. It never stops. So uh, when you do go for Umrah, you can, you, if you're especially if you're a U.S. citizen, you can just uh, walk in literally in Jeddah airport, and they will give you a visa, and, uh, but for many other countries, they require pre-registration and getting a proper visa and permission and so on. But as U.S. citizens, even most of us, when we go on pilgrimages, we will go as a group. And so we will have somebody over there who will come and receive us and all of that. But uh, individuals can go, and I've gone individually many times. And just, you know, you land there and you have a passport and they will give you a visa. But for some other countries, they have restrictions because they want to make sure that not too many people come. Any a couple more questions? Mm-hmm. When you say prayers five times a day, mm-hmm. are they a set prayer or are you just talking? Yes, they are set prayers. In fact, the prayers um, were, it's a very interesting story. <clears throat> you know, we, we know from the Gospels, Jesus used to pray. We know from the Torah, Moses used to pray and Abraham used to pray. Uh, Islamic prayer has, is very consistent. They used to follow, they used to bow, they used to prostrate. We do the same thing. Uh, the timings are set. Uh, the morning prayer is between uh, dawn and sunrise. So you have about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half in which that worship is done. The second worship is done a little bit after the sun crosses the zenith. The third one is late afternoon. The fourth is after sunset. And the fifth is an hour and a half after that. Each prayer has specific movements. So for instance, let me show you. If I'm going to be starting to pray, I will have my face towards Mecca, right? Which is from Sacramento, it's like north, northeast. And then I will, uh, and I will make my intention, and I, you know, which is basically, I declare my intention to pray to God, two units of prayer. Like in the morning prayer, I do two units. And I uh, will say, Allahu Akbar, God is most great. And then I will tie my hands women will put their hands on their breasts, like that. And of course, you need to be modestly attired. And then what you read has been, in in the prayer, uh, are words which are almost all set. You have some choices. So you read the opening chapter of the Quran, which I started uh, the program with. That is a requirement. And then you will read something, some surah, some portion from the Quran. And then you will bow. And you will say, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, which means glory to my Lord, who's most high, three times or five times, seven times. Then you get up and then you again praise God. Then you say, Allahu Akbar, God is most great. And you go into prostration. 
and you put your forehead on the floor and you will say three times, five times, seven times, Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala, which means God is most high, you know. Uh, glory to my Lord who is most high. Three times, five times, seven times, and then you get up. And that becomes one unit of prayer. So in the morning you do two units of prayer. In the noontime is four units. In the late afternoon is four units. Sunset is three and night is four. So it's a total of 17 units of prayer. Each typically takes about 10 minutes. Of course, prior to that, you have to wash yourself, wash your hands and face so that you're physically clean. You also have to ensure that your clothes are pure or clean. And so, you know, the whole thing takes 10, 15 minutes. But it's, uh, when I'm facing towards Mecca, what I'm saying to the world, I'm turning my back to the world. I will not take telephone calls. I will not speak to anybody. I will not chew a gum, nothing. Why? I am dedicating myself to God. I'm in contact with him. And the Arabic word for prayer is called salah, which actually means connection, like an electrical connection. It literally has that meaning. You are electrically connected to God, and you are dedicated to him, you're focused on him, you have disconnected yourself from the world. And that's your time with God. And you recite many of the things which are universal in the Muslim community across the globe. And it ends like this. You t- turn your face to the right, you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah barakatuhu, which is what I said to you guys when I first came in, which means peace be upon you and the mercy of God and his blessings. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah barakatuhu, to the left, which is peace be upon you and his mercy and his blessings. In other words, I'm at peace and I'm at, I'm at peace with everybody in the world. And I wish you his mercy and I wish you his blessings. So it's a statement of uh, of a very beautiful statement of being at peace with others and saying good things to them. And you, you conclude the prayer with that. And after that, you are allowed to do a rosary. People do rosary. They will say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah means glory to God. Alhamdulillah means praise to God. Allahu Akbar means God is most great. 33 times. Uh, they will do it on their fingers. You will see people doing that in a mosque, or they will have you know, ros- rosary beads. Uh, that's a common practice. And then many times you will see people raising their hands and supplicating to God. Now this is your personal time. So the, f- the prayer itself is formally established. You f- follow a certain model, a certain formula. But then you raise your hands and ask for God. To God. Oh God, I need your help in my relationship, with my kids, with my spouse, at work, for my health, for my job, my, whatever your needs are, then that is your very, very personal time with God and he's listening to you because you have done your obligation and you have valued him, honored him, respected him, connected with him and he's open to listening to you and there you are, that's your personal time and that's why when you pray, your blood pressure goes down. You're very calm, you're peaceful. This has been medically established that people who are believers and who pray, uh, after the prayers are done, their blood pressure is down, they are relaxed, they're at peace, and you carry no hostility, you have no negativity, it's, it's all gone. And then you ask for God for your most personal things. And this is, he's the best psychologist, psychiatrist, listen, listening to you. Amen. And, and you talk to him. And you have your personal conversation with him. So really, it is a, the prayers of worship, as we call them. In Arabic, it's called salat, which literally means an electrical connection. So five times a day, you get connected to him, just like you plug in your charger, right? You're plugged in with God. You've turned your back to the world. 
and you say, this is my dedicated time with you. But that's done universally with a very similar format. I have prayed in airports all over the world, from Tokyo, Japan, to Hong Kong, to Bangkok, to London, to you name it, you know, all over the, the world. And uh, people pray the same way. And that brings out certain uniformity within the Muslim community. But uh, it's all done in Arabic. But then when you supplicate to God, you supplicate in your own language. French, German, English, whatever you speak. So prayer is a very beautiful personal way of connecting with God. And, you know, at my work, I, I'm, during the noon prayer, late afternoon, I'm at work. So I go and wash myself and then I go into a separate place. I have a prayer rug. And 10 minutes I spend there and I have my talk with him. So it takes away any stress that you may have. And you come out feeling peaceful and healthier. And, uh, plus, it's like yoga, getting up and down. So you're doing yoga, literally. It's, it's very good for your body. And you, uh, it has been, again, medically established that the prayer format that the Muslims have with bowing and prostrating is, out, is really good for your blood circulation and health and, bo- and just body movements. It's good for you. So, and, le- and let me interrupt there that what you just heard was the best explanation of the daily prayers of Muslims that I've ever heard. He summarized that beautifully, and in all my 25 years, I've never heard it done so well, so thank you. You're most welcome. The secondary part of that is we we have time for about one more question because we want you to participate. So there's one more question. Yes. Hello, and thank you for being here. It's on just talking. I wonder about the fasting. Is there, uh, it sounds very structured, is there, uh, is it okay to just not eat? In other words, you're talking uh, 12, 14, 16, 18 hour, and then you eat. What if you went five days and didn't eat? Can, can I answer that? Sure. Um, actually, Ray, I'm going to answer that because uh, earlier in my life, I did five and 11-day fasts. In Europe, there, there is a lot more fasting that goes on. And, and the biggest thing is, and it's a little bit different for, for Ramadan, is that many fasts are food fasts and not water fasts. And so you can go a long time without food. Water is a little more difficult. But 12 or 18 hours without water is not, not something that is real difficult. But what I found in the 5- and 11-day fast is once you get out past two or three days, your mind starts to clear up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it, things become clearer for you. And, and it's just that first... It's like my favorite candy bar is Snickers. And I'll tell you what, when I'm walking down an aisle and I see a Snickers bar, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a Snickers bar. But after a while, if I just ignore it, it gets clearer mm-hmm. that I don't need the Snickers bar. In, so, in our case, we are required to eat. In other words, we abstain for food and drink, intimacy, and, and all of that for the period duration of the fast but we are required to break a fast. 
which means we have to at least have to have some water, and maybe a couple of dates. Every if, day. Every, yeah. And likewise, we, it, is, it is a practice which is supported you know, by tradition that you get up and have something in the morning to eat. So uh, we are required to eat uh, in the morning and also uh, when we break our fast. How much you eat, what you eat is your choice. But uh, it really helps your system also. Mm-hmm. In fact, medical doctors these days are talking about fasting. X number of hours, you know, 12 hours, 10 hours, 14 hours, you know, two, three times a week and so on. So Ramadan is simply 30 days, yes, uh, for a good number of hours. But it really helps give rest to your system. It also helps bring clarity. You also give up bad practices that you may have had, like smoking and so on. And it's, it also brings you a lot of feast peace and joy, realizing that at the end of the day, I could do it. You know, I may be 80 years old, I can still fast, and it, you have a sense of victory. So it's, it's all of the above. And that's why we're here tonight. Rachel and I have thought about it, and we're challenging each of you. Will you hand them out, please? We have a Ramadan challenge card. It's got dates on it, and <clears throat> you will notice... This is a chance for us to work and express the divine through us and work on purity and self-discipline and join our Muslim brothers and sisters. The pledge card will give you the opportunity to get involved at your own personal level. Now, the one thing I found out today is I didn't put Sunday down. So apparently Sunday is not a part of my Ramadan challenge. (laughs) But for the other six days, I've, I've set it up so... We're asking you to personally choose your own way. If you want to go ahead, and we, you don't need to fill it out now. This is for your refrigerator. And you choose if you want to maybe do one day a week, two days a week. Join them fully. However it is you choose, it is your choice. This is an additional spiritual practice for you to put into your your toolbox, and to try it out. Um, Rachel and I have been talking about it for years, and we've wanted to do it, so we're handing these out for you to take with you. Sometime during the month of Ramadan, between March 22nd and April 20th, Salam will have a a community interfaith iftar they do every year. I I spoke to Kavi, the executive director of Salam today. Uh It's on uh, April 11th. So April 11th, we will talk to him also and let him know that we're going to put together a group to come and join with our Muslim brothers and sisters. So those of you that will have participated in it will be part of the system, part of that, um, as we say, what is it, Ramadan Kareem? Yes. Which, mm-hmm. which means, let's see, that's a generous Ramadan? Yes, yes. It's, it's blessed Ramadan. It's a, it's a generous Ramadan. And yes. Ramadan Mubarak is a happy Ramadan? Hamadan Ramadan. Okay. Exactly. Yes. And so that, that's what we're doing. We're asking you to participate. Um, and we don't have a lot more in the program because this is what it's about. Oh, wait a minute. There's somebody in the front row with her hand raised. Are you asking me to marry you? Wait, why don't you get a microphone there, young lady? 
Those are a requirement. I like the young lady. For those of you watching at home, uh, this will be put, uh, there'll be a link put on our webpage. I mean, our Interfaith Explorer page. Yes. Uh, and it also will be in the newsletter, which will come out at the end of March. All this information will be in there. We also wanted to let you know that um, our next program will be July 26th. There is a meeting um, a convention called the Parliament of World Religions, mm -hmm. where some 12,000 people from over 1,200 faith traditions gather together. In 2015, we were blessed to get 39 people and go back uh, with a number of ministers and things and spent the f six days realizing that being overwhelmed is a natural function of the Parliament of the World Religions. <laughs> so our program on July 26th will be the Parliament of World Religions attending effectively because there are 150 workshops every day, concerts and everything. And some of it's going to be virtual. So we're going to give you some tricks of how to try to get to see what you want to see and get done what you want done. Uh, we're in the process. We've actually applied to make that a pre-Parliament of World Religions event. And if they approve it, uh, they will also uh, advertise it and Spiritual Life Center will be part of the program. Also, at last I heard, Reverend James Trapp will be going back to speak at the Parliament of World Religions. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be very involved at that. Um, also, as we go forward, remember, we're going to be doing field trips and different things, and so check our podcast, check our newsletter. We love Interfaith. We definitely love Salam. We spent a lot of time over there. Yes. If, if you don't remember, there was a period of time <clears throat> where we left Pioneer, and it was coming about Easter, and Michael Moran called, met Wally Amir, who found it, helped found Salam, and said, Met Wally, I have a dream. And Ma, Met Wally said, Uh-oh. What's your dream, Michael? And Michael said, I dreamt that we had Easter service at your mosque. And God bless Met Wally. He didn't say, Are you crazy? He says, well, I guess I better talk to my board. And he did, and we did hold our Easter service at the Salaam Mosque. I, I was there on Saturday and Sunday. I, I was there as part of the services. Michael Moran, of course, our dear beloved friend, was there too. Uh, it was a, an amazing event, and it became global news. My nephew from UK heard about it, that the mosque opened its doors to a Christian denomination and a church held their Easter services at an Islamic center. And it was amazing global news. And global this, news. this really had never <coughs> happened before. This was a first from what we know. But then, since then, things have changed and- Very much so. Yeah. And, and, and Reverend Michael said, I knew I had made an impact on the world, even though that wasn't what I was aiming for, when someone sent me a note and it was addressed to Reverend Moron. <laughs> he said, I knew at that point they had checked things out. 
So as we come to the end of tonight, um, I want to check in with our beloved assistant minister to see if there's anything she wants to share, say, dance, sing, or any of the above as we close. I I would say that mostly um, I'm in the saying department. Um, We are also going to have a a Wednesday event. I can't remember which time, which day in August, which Wednesday in August it is, but it's going to be world music. So uh, uh, Paula is, uh, our music director, Paula is going to put together a music program that speaks to the Parliament of World Religions. So uh, we have a lot of really exciting things coming up. And um, I just want to say I really appreciate your being here. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you so much. How do you want to close out? Do you want a closing prayer or do you want to do the the prayer for protection? Which one do you want to do? I would rather have you do the prayer. Okay. I did the opening prayer. You can. So before we go, because uh, you know, you never give a minister a microphone and then they just walk away. Our, the work that Rachel and I do is that we hope each of you will explore a faith tradition. Uh, We continue to do some stuff, and uh, Rachel at this point is researching Jainism, which I, of course, got crazy and said, well, it's the study of a religion that adores Jains. (laughs) That's not what it is, and respectfully, she's she's learned a lot. But... um, it's important that we, we, this is about connection. It is about the fact that um, our time with friends, family, and other people, this is how we see the divine in other eyes. And we won't see the divine if we don't look in other eyes. So I challenge you, whether you're doing the Ramadan challenge with us or in some other way, stretch yourself in the coming days. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today to explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. This 2023 podcast will be aired the fourth Thursday of the month on Spiritual Life Center's website, slcworld.org, under Interfaith Connection Podcasts. You can also listen to our previous 24-plus podcasts at this same location. And we want to hear from you, so send us your comments, questions, or suggestions to me. That's Rachel Lyman at rachel24 at surewest.net. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-2-4 at S-U-R-E-W-E-S-T dot net. And let us remember as we go along our different paths, that Gandhi once said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.